Uh, we really are glad that you're here. It's, it's a fun Sunday on lots of levels, right? It's very um, laid back, as you can tell, by the way we're doing worship. And it's also uh, fun to know that we still have a ways to go and that we still have opportunities for celebrating the birth and recognizing that the birth really is important. I don't know about in your household, but um, you know, there's always this interesting dynamic that takes shape on Christmas Day and certainly often on, this day is often, some of you may know in, in Europe called Boxing Day. It's where you sort of box stuff up right and or send things off. And uh, in Europe, at least, uh, many of the stores are still closed and, and they're still sort of wrapping up. In our household, um, after everything's wrapped up and all opened and all that kind of stuff, you're kind of like, well, so what's left? What is there? And this particular year, given how our particular calendar fell and the way things are working themselves out, um, everything's down already. So, you know, if you come to our house, it's like, hey, it's like July 2nd or something, right? There's no, everything's already gone, right? So um, tell Kay, who was just on the screen, golly, don't have to be such a Grinch or a humbug all the time, right? I do think... I do thank you for your blessing bags. Uh, if you haven't picked those up, I want to encourage you to do so. There are still some out there. Uh, so if you haven't picked up blessing bags, I want to encourage you to do that. It will be a blessing for you and it will be a blessing to those uh, who may receive it. They really are a true blessing uh, for those who get them. So as we kind of begin to move towards the new year and begin to move out of this birth narrative, the powerful experience that we had, there's still a part of the story left. Many of us don't realize that. Often when we look at Luke 2, we, we sort of get stuck, if you will, or stop at verse 20 of Luke chapter 2 because it's such a magnificent story, right? And we celebrate this birth and we give thanks for the birth of Jesus and we recognize how much it changes who we are and how we are. And so often we forget the rest of, of Luke chapter 2, but there's lots of good stuff there. And so today I want to remind us of that good stuff because it's what we need to be doing still. It's a story of two characters some will have heard of, some will have never heard of. Their names are Simeon and Anna, and they are phenomenal people in the life of Jesus. And hopefully they will help us know the rest of the story. So I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter two, whether on your phone or in your Bible, to watch on the screen. We begin with verse 21, immediately following what the shepherds have shared with their good news of great joy. Beginning in verse 21, it says, when eight days had passed, Jesus's parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus. This was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon came, uh, was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. 
Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer, night and day. She approached at the very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So that's a part of the rest of the story. That's a part of um, Jesus' birth that we often overlook because we get so encapsulated by the, the uh, shepherds and the angels, right? But Simeon and Anna offer us some amazing examples of what it means to be faithful, of what it means to be hopeful, and what it means to continue to worship God all of our days. You notice at the very beginning, they are doing what every good Jewish family is called to do. They're worshiping God and they're doing some specific rituals that have been identified in scripture. You notice it said on the eighth day, they took him to be circumcised. Well, Genesis tells us in the 17th chapter that on the eighth day, all boys are gonna be circumcised. That's a part of the law. So part of what Luke is revealing to us and a part of what Simeon and Anna are helping to identify for us is that uh, this is a very committed family to the law, to the rituals, and to worship. You might have also taken note that they talked about the purification of Mary because again, in, in uh, biblical days, there was a, a whole ritual that is identified in Leviticus that, uh, that tells us that after 40 days, you're supposed to ritualize your cleansing, your body's cleansing, and that you are to do this by going to worship God and by going to the temple to cleanse yourself. That way you can now begin to worship again because unfortunately in the day when you were considered ritually unclean, you couldn't go to temple, you couldn't worship. So they're following the prescription of the law. And then ultimately you remember it says that they were presenting Jesus. Not only were they getting him circumcised, but they were presenting him because that's what you do with the firstborn child. Exodus tells us that too. So throughout the law, there are these rituals that we go through and Jesus's family is doing everything by the book. They're doing it exactly as it has been prescribed, which helps us to realize not only is Jesus and his family fully Jewish, but they're fully faithful and fully committed to everything that they need to do, right? 
But also take note of this, just as I mentioned. Um, So as the rest of the world goes on about their normal lives and their everyday business, because that's the way the rest of the world is, right? I mean, uh, after this big event, everybody else has gone on with their day. Everything else has gone back to normal. Everything else is as it once was. But not for Mary and Joseph. I mean, if ever you've had a child, you know life is never the same again, right? Uh, Life is never as it once was. And this is the case for them too. Their lives have been forever transformed. The good news is that our lives have been transformed by his birth too. But a part of the faithfulness of what they are doing is helping remind us that even though everyday ordinary kinds of circumstances come right back into play after Christmas, God is still at work. God is still doing everything that God intends to do. God is still acting on our behalf. God is still interfacing with the world. God is still offering hope. God is still demonstrating mercy and grace, right? A part of what Mary and Joseph are helping us to see is God keeps going. Unlike our lives that feel as though everything just stops or golly, everything's just written off after Christmas, God's still going. And Simeon and Anna give us great pictures of faithfulness and hope. You remember the description of Simeon? He had been told by God years ago, essentially his entire adult life, that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine holding that in your heart? Can you imagine recognizing with all of your being that you would not die until you encountered the long-awaited Messiah? Remember how long the, the Hebrews have been waiting? They've been waiting for centuries for this Messiah. And, and Simeon, in his own personal lifetime, has been waiting all of his adult life so that he can experience the Lord's Messiah. Man, I, I would call that hopeful expectancy, wouldn't you? I mean, this guy knows every single day of his life, he is waiting, he is looking, he is trying, he is understanding, he is just on the precipice of discovering what it's going to be like. And he goes to the temple regularly to make that happen. And this day, that gift becomes possible. And in that expectancy and in that hopefulness, he is not disappointed, nor I pray are you. Because I pray you are still looking for the Messiah. That is to say, you are still looking for him to make a difference in your life. You are still looking for Jesus to help make a difference in the world. And of course, a part of what we know is that takes shape through us. That he uses us just as he used Simeon to share that good news, to spread that word, to help others come to know that richness But Simeon doesn't just hold this for himself, does he? (laughs) He reveals it to Mary and to anybody else who may be listening right there. He acknowledges who this is, right? He says in this um, this prayer that has become a song, it's called the Nunc Dimittis. We have, I don't, when was the last time you used that word, Nunc Dimittis? Anybody? We call it that because it's what he says in the very beginning of his song, if you will, or his prayer that he says aloud is, now I can go. Now I can depart in modern day life. Now I can die because I've seen the Lord's Messiah. 
I've reached the pinnacle of my hope. I've discovered the joy of what I've been waiting for my whole life. Now I can go. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He identifies for Mary as if she hasn't heard this already. But by golly, it's not just an angel and it's not just God. It's a complete stranger to her who's confirming what she already knows. I have experienced salvation. He could have just said, I've experienced Jesus, right? Because his name means salvation. I've experienced it and it's not just me. For this salvation has come to be a light to all the nations. This salvation has come that even the Gentiles would experience this. Thank you very much. And so will he be a light for the light for the nation of Israel. You see, Simeon is telling the story that you and I know that Mary pondered in her heart, but that everybody around needed to come to understand that the light of the world had not only come into the world, but was now gonna spread and make this truth known and help others to experience it and make it a reality for everybody. Remember the description of Simeon was for those who were waiting on the restoration of Israel. The promise made true, the reality of Christ made real. What a precious gift. Well, as if it weren't enough for Simeon to reveal all this, as if it weren't enough for him to help us know that we needed to remain close to God, to committed to God's ways, to, to recognize that salvation was a part of our lives. And even though we may have gone on with our everyday lives, God is still working. Then there's this elderly lady. Well, she's no ordinary lady, is she? She's a prophet. It is yet again Jesus and God and Luke, for that matter, telling us that women have priority and prominence in the gospel message. It's not just Mary who births God. It's not just the women who were the first evangelists at the empty tomb, but it's also an 84-year-old female prophet who's speaking God's truth and God's word. You see, this Messiah is different across the board. This Messiah is making everything new. This Messiah is making possible what think people had never thought could be possible. A woman is a prophet. And she's bringing powerful good news for all the world to hear. And can you imagine Anna's world? Do you remember the description? Married seven years, becomes a widow. She's now 84 years old. And where does she spend her time? In the temple. Every day. Looking for God. Trying to discover a relationship and a part of what Anna points out to us that we need to take note of is that we need to spend more time with God. Doesn't have to be in this room, doesn't have to be in the temple, but we can spend deliberate, intentional, structured time with God every single day and it helps us to encounter that holiness that we're looking for. And it helps us to recognize that life can be different 
that God is at work in our lives and the world and that God is moving even when the world seems to be stopped. Anna has a powerful, powerful word. Notice, she too seems to know this kid who nobody else seems to recognize, right? I mean, we don't know that for a fact, but the the scripture says nothing about how anybody else knew who this baby was, except Simeon and Anna. And Anna knows this is the Lord's Messiah. Anna knows that this is the one who has come. Anna seems to recognize just as Simeon does that he is unique and he is special and we need to not only know him, but we need to share him. Another female evangelist. Another one who says, let's share this good news. Let's spread this good word. Let's tell the whole world. How is it that we don't know much about Simeon and Anna? How is it that these people who bring such a powerful good word and who help us to experience what it genuinely means to be in relationship with God, we know very little about them. The other fascinating gift from Simeon, you may have caught it when I read the story. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has led him. The Holy Spirit is upon him. The Holy Spirit is what guided him to know this truth and to do this thing and to speak this word. I I thought the Holy Spirit didn't show up till Pentecost. That's not true, is it? God's Spirit has been with us and moving among us since the very day of creation. And a part of the gift that Simeon reminds us of is that the Holy Spirit continues to work in our hearts, continues to guide us every single day and continues to bring us the hope and the strength that we need. Simeon and Anna are fascinating characters, aren't they? They speak volumes into our lives and into the world. And a part of what I hope for you and me from their teaching today is that they remind us that even though the reality is there are 364 more days until the next Christmas, we can still do and be the Simeons and Annas of the world who know when and how they ought to worship, who recognize there is a hope for this world even when stuff does not feel very hopeful and that there is an expectancy about the way in which this Jesus will have impact on my life and yours and the world. And then most importantly, that we need to share this news with others. And so it begs the question, how will you, how will I go tell it on the mountain? How will we help others to know about this Jesus? Christmas Day has passed, all the gifts have been opened, all the hoopla has been completed, and yet, he's still the Messiah. (laughs) He's still the hope of the world, and the Holy Spirit is still at work. Friends, let's get going.
Let's share this powerful good news. If an 84-year-old prophet and some old man who was unknown until this day can do it, surely we can too. And surely it's true and still has power. Thanks be to God for that powerful gift. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for your servants, Simeon and Anna. Gosh, we know so little about them and yet they have such profound insight for us in our daily living. They teach us to worship you regularly, to hope for your coming and to share your good news. Help us, Lord, to be like them. Help us, Lord, to share that story and to find connection with you that we might demonstrate with our lives and offer with our words your precious hope found in Jesus, the little bitty baby born in Bethlehem who would change the world. Thank you that he is the Messiah, he is our savior, and he is the hope and light of the world. It's in his name that we now pray, amen. Hey friends, as always, I just say one final time for this calendar year, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the powerful ways you're making ministry possible. We got about five or six days left in the year and your giving is still very critical for us to finish well. And so if you're able to make a donation today or over the next couple of days, we sure wanna invite you to do so. If you brought your gift with you, the boxes are of course at the columns right outside the door. Or if you'd like to make a gift digitally here in the room, you can scan the QR code that's either in the uh, pamphlet that's there in your pew or on the screen, or you can text the letters TMUMC to the number 45777. Thank you for making ministry real and possible.